You're listening to The Tarot Diagnosis. We're your hosts. I'm Luna. And I'm Shannon. We're both clinical psychotherapists who trained together at Johns Hopkins. Now we are both in private practice in Tampa, Florida, and in Baltimore, Maryland. We also both happen to have a love for tarot. Each episode, we work to demystify the tarot and explore its connections to mental and emotional health. While this podcast may feel therapeutic, it is not meant to take the place of psychotherapy. Join us while we pull cards to better understand ourselves and those around us. Hey, Luna. Hey, Shannon. So we are going to talk about and explore the intersection of tarot and psychology today. Um, There's a lot to be said on this topic, um, and it's basically the whole premise of our podcast. Uh, So we definitely can't go over everything today, and we're probably going to revisit it throughout our time working on this podcast, but I'm really excited to explore it with you. I'm so excited about this. And I agree. I feel like we're both a little bit like drinking out of a fire hose of like, we have so many things, or maybe we're holding the fire hose. We have so many things to say (laughs) that uh, we're going to try to keep it reined in, but it's a good topic. Yeah, lots to say. And before we really get into the meat of the episode, just to give kind of a brief overview for maybe some people who are just becoming interested in tarot who are listening or people who are super new. Um, I just wanted to talk about how the tarot deck is composed. Uh, So basically there's 78 total cards in a tarot deck. 22 of those cards are what's called the major arcana. And these cards are like, you know, when you see the fool, the sun, um, the high priestess, the tower, um, all of those are the major arcana. Um, In addition to the 22 major cards, there's also an additional 56 minor arcana cards. And these are also called pip cards. And those are categorized into four suits, swords, wands, pentacles, and cups. And sometimes in different decks, which we'll get into later on in the episode, the swords, wands, pentacles, and cups are also referred to as a, a just different items. So for example, um, pentacles you might see as um, also referred to as discs Mm -hmm. uh, or cups referred to as chalices. Um, But yeah, so there's these four suits and it's very similar to that of a typical uh, deck of playing cards. Yeah. And actually that is where tarot began. I mean, you can hear lots of different theories about like where it came from. But if you do a little bit of research, it does appear that this is really began as a simple card game. It was a card game with five basic suits. It was the four suits plus the suit. Um, I would love to learn the card game. I haven't figured it out yet. I probably could. I just have been busy. But it's a it's a deck of cards. Um, it seems to date back to the 1400s in Italy. And then what happened was people started noticing that the cards were had some interesting imagery, or sometimes they felt connected to the cards, or the images meant something, and they were able to connect to them spiritually or psychologically. And so over time, the deck started taking on a different meaning. Um, And the place where I find it gets really interesting is in the late 1800s, early 1900s, it got uh, kind of taken under the wing of a group called the Golden Dawn Society, which was an occultist society of some really interesting and brilliant people, apparently, um, perhaps including Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, who wrote the Sherlock's series, Bram Stoker, who wrote um, Dracula, and um, Yeats. And if you are a poetry person, <laughs> like, and suddenly when I read that, I was like, oh, that all makes sense now. Of course, he was a member of this wackadoodle society. So cool. So cool. And they were hermetic in their 
formation. And if you haven't read about hermetic principles, just go and Mm -hmm. do it. We're not going to talk about it now because it's too big, but that's where they came from. (laughs) They also have links to the Freemasons. One thing that was interesting about this society is that, uh, that made them stood out was that they allowed women and they, that was unique at the time. Um, but they started building on this idea of this card game could mean more or could have some more relevance. And they started creating more purposeful decks. So we move from a deck that just looked like a deck of cards to a deck that actually had intentional and planned symbols on it. I personally find this really interesting because from that, you see the Rider Weight deck and the, the Weight Coal deck, both of them, uh, Weight and Coal were both members of the society. Those decks are what we sort of think of as the traditional deck, but there's also an offshoot of the Thoth deck which was formed by Alistair Crowley, who was uh, a magician of the day, who came up with this, a very different type of interpretation of these cards. And the imagery can sometimes look different. And I think that it's lovely to think about it in terms of there's different views of these symbols. They're all deep and they're all meaningful to us as humans. That's what's important. But there are different interpretations. Yeah, you know, I that I was just thinking about too because I was reading recently on just imagery like specific imagery related to tarot and I think something that has stuck even from the very beginning of tarot which, you know, I'll have to double check just to make sure um is this one specific image of roses mm. um and it's because there's so many different tarot decks out there, so many different uh, ways to interpret them and like so many different images. But I feel like at least what I've seen is one common theme is that roses kind of stick around. Um, Hmm. And that, I don't know, I think that's interesting that even from like, you know, the late 1300s, early 1400s, there is one common thing that has like made sure to stay present in every deck. That's lovely. I didn't know that. Yeah. And I need to like double check, but I remember like reading it somewhere. So I'll I'll throw, I'll throw it in the show notes, whatever I find. But I thought that was, that was really cool that some symbolism has stayed even after, um, I mean, the, the gist of the tarot is is very, the, the symbols are very similar in terms of like, of course, all the, the fool, the sun, the the high priestess and the, and the major arcana and the minor, but little things like roses, um, Mm -hmm you know, stuck around, which is cool. Well, and I think that that's one of the things that's interesting about tarot is that particularly right now, we see such an interest in it. And so there's so many really beautiful decks that are coming out. People are embracing this. Um, And I love that it can be both. It can be nods to something that goes back to the 1400s or to the 1900s. And (laughs) also a new interpretation of this idea looks like this to me. And I think that's wonderful that this deck has become a collective. Yeah. And, you know, I like what you said earlier, too, about how there's so many different ways to interpret it, because it kind of makes me think about uh, just in terms of psychology, mm-hmm. all the different schools of thought, and then even in psychotherapy, all the different modalities that we use, um, which, you know, we'll talk about today, too, because they can all be linked back to tapping into the unconscious, which is really what tarot has become over the years, this tool to tap into that. You know, it's such a a good point. I think that we sort of see this um, as somebody 
starts to become interested in tarot, they're like, I don't know where to begin. Like, I do I like, how do I get this deck? Do I go to a store? Like, what do I do? And it's similar to when people are first looking at therapy. Like sometimes yeah. you'll have somebody be like, I need a therapist. And, you know, like they'll sort of say these words that they've heard. They're like, I think I need CBT or whatever. Right. And, and there's just a, like, as you get to know it, as you kind of get in the water and start swimming around, you start to learn some of the terms and understand some of the nuances. The basic idea of tarot is a self-exploration while being linked to um, archetypes and the subconscious and perhaps the divine, depending on your interpretation. Whereas therapy is very similar. It is a dive into your own thinking and connectedness to humanity. But it's just a really different way of doing it, but it's also really similar. Right. You know, and (laughs) I think too, when I'm in you know, in the therapy room with a client, sometimes when we've done some really good work or they've made some progress, they'll look at me and they'll say, Oh my God, thank you so much. Mm. Like you did, you helped me with this or you did this. And I'll look at them and I'll be like, no, you did all that. <laughs> like, I was, I was there kind of like holding your hand and helping guide you, but right. like you tapped into all that. You figured all that out. We just, you know, we, we got there together. Um, and that's, what's really cool about Tara too, is, you know, you are doing a lot of work, but it also is really fun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, sometimes it's not so fun because you have these realizations and you're like, oh shit, like <laughs> I got to work on that. Um, but yeah, it's this really like cool way to figure out, I don't know how you feel about yourself, the world around you and others, and just gain a better understanding of life in general, uh, which is very much what therapy is about. I love everything you just said. Like, I just love everything you just said. (laughs) Yes. I think it's hilarious when people thank me. I do. I always am like, are you kidding me? Like, I just sat and watched you, like, change your brain because I asked you some questions. Like, that's great. Like, that's that's all you. But I appreciate the things. I always do. But it's funny. I'm kind of like, all you, baby. It's all you. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I love when we're able to turn that back around and say, wait, no, you, you did all this, you got right. there because then it, you know, it fosters a sense of empowerment and they're like, oh yeah, I did. That's so cool. Right. Like what else can I do? Right. What <laughs> else can I do? That's exactly it. What yeah. else can I do? And I think that tarot is so similar, you know, like once we learn to kind of handle the tough stuff of like, oh crap, I just pulled some really scary cards. Okay. Right. Deep breath. What am I going to do with it? It's the same as with therapy. Oh, I just, therapy is what I just called it. <laughs> therapy. It's that moment of, okay, I just realized something. Like, I'm, yeah. I just realized that I'm standing in my own way. Or I just realized that this relationship that I'm pretending is good is really not good. Or I just realized mm-hmm. that, like, I have this weird belief that is holding me back. Okay, now what are you going to do about it? Right. You know, and going back to what you're saying about the different types of tarot decks that are out there, you know, and us talking about the different types of therapists or modalities in therapy, um, you know, essentially, you know, if you're using DBT or yeah, DBT or CBT or even like solution focused, which if you're not familiar, DBT is dialectical behavior therapy, CBT is cognitive behavioral therapy, and then um, solution focused brief therapy is, you know, usually just like, you know, six to eight, 10 sessions trying to um, solve like 
a small problem. So just like there's different modalities for therapy based on the issue you're bringing into your sessions, there's also different types of tarot decks that help bring up different levels of awareness and yeah. emotions. So I'm thinking of, um, you know, and, and both can be helpful depending on where you're at and what you feel like drawn to. So I just recently picked up the wild unknown deck, which is feels very like heavy and and dark to me. I mean, the images are, are very dark. There's a lot of like black heavy ink, but I also have this Mystic Mondays deck, which is very, very abstract and like graphic, like clean lines and, and images. And I will go to the Wild Unknown deck when I'm like, oh, I, I should probably hear some like hard truths. Or I know that there's something that I need to explore yes. that, um, you know, I, I can't go easy on myself because this deck is going to bring up like the stuff that isn't, um, that isn't light, <laughs> you know, it's something that I really need to address. Whereas like my mystic Mondays deck, I tend to grab when I'm feeling like playful and light and I want to just like mess around and, and see like, you know, what positive things I want to focus on. Cause that even though all the cards mean the same, mean the same mm -hmm. thing um my emotions and my levels of like awareness are different with the mystic mondays deck than they are with the wild unknown deck and it's so similar with different fields or uh, methods of thinking in terms of psychology and mm -hmm. psychotherapy what you get out of cognitive behavior therapy is going to be different than mm -hmm. what you get out of like psychodynamic therapy or psychodrama um it doesn't mean that one is better than the other right. or that um you know, there's one specific modality that's going to work best for you. You know, you might even come to the same conclusion with each one. Um, but the way that you get there or the thoughts that you have in order to get there are going to be slightly different and bring up different levels of awareness. That's such an excellent point. And I think that's a, a benefit of tarot is that you can have multiple decks and pull like day to day versus mm -hmm. with therapy, like you like you you can't have multiple therapists like right. most therapists like are don't <laughs> you're, not, well, you're not supposed to you're not yeah. supposed to i mean many therapists myself included um are sort of like no you uh, you can't although like i have <laughs> on occasion made exceptions but generally speaking yeah, no you don't get to see me and another therapist like you're working with me and it's not an ego thing it's just that right. like it's a question of like, you have to dedicate yourself to something. But yes, that doesn't mean that I'm like the best therapist. It just means like, I, I might be the best person for right now. Right. It reminds me of um, when I was in my mid 20s, I was living um, in a different city and was struggling because I was in my mid 20s, like it sucked. And <laughs> I had a therapist who I really liked and who I have to say genuinely helped me, like genuinely yeah. helped me through that period and moved me from A to B in a lot of ways and was incredibly helpful. Um, years later, maybe like three years ago, I had a friend who still lived in that city reach out and be like, Hey, what was the name of that therapist? Cause like, I'm really looking for somebody. I'm having a hard time. Mm -hmm. And she tried him out and was like, that is the worst therapy session I've ever had. In my life. <laughs> I know. And it's somebody who like knows, you know, and she and I are very similar and like, you know, like she's been to a lot of therapists and like, she's really, and she's very kind, like, but it was really like just a terrible fit, not a bad therapist, just not the right time, like not the right modality, not the right age, just not right. So picking a tarot deck, picking a therapist, you have to find what's right for you in that moment. Exactly. Um, 
you know, and I, you saying picking a, a tarot deck and picking a therapist, you know, we're now we're talking about like this mystical standpoint of like tarot, it, it, the perfect intersection of tarot and psychotherapy, yeah. right? Um, which I kind of want to hop into and acknowledge the fact that psychology really began from this mystical standpoint. Mm. Um, and yeah, like if we talk about some of the major psychologists from the beginning, uh, a lot of what tarot has to offer connects to what, um, a lot of these psychologists, uh, came up with, um, years and years and years ago. So true. So, I mean, like, so I think that that's a good place to be able to kind of jump into where psychology began, um, because we did a little bit about where tarot began. So, Psychology did begin with, as everybody, I think most people know, um, began with Sigmund Freud, who was like around in the late 1800s, early 1900s, um, and really was the very first person to come up with the idea of the unconscious. Before that, people were aware of spiritualism and people were aware of mystical ideas, but had never really... Um, thought about the idea of an unconscious. So this was revolutionary and it's a Mm -hmm. very big deal. And I know people sort of like bag on Freud now because he was really emphasis on sex and blah, 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 um, and penis envy and people don't like that. And I get it. I think we also have to understand the historical context. He was coming from Vienna in the Victorian period and there was a lot of sexual repression. So he was just noticing what was going on around him. (laughs) Um, But this was huge to talk about the unconscious. And I might kind of jump from there of like, he's the big one, but he had some uh, people who followed him and then broke with him very early on, most notably um, Adler, who was, um, so Freud began with the idea of the unconscious, but he also really focused on the concept of a childhood experiences. He thought that what happened to you in infancy affected your whole life or like before age five was sort of basically like, that's what it is. Mm -hmm. Um, And then other people started pushing back on some of the things that Freud was saying, the sex thing and the childhood experiences thing. It began with Adler pushing back on the idea um, that it's not all about negative childhood experiences. Um, Adler came up with this idea of the inferiority complex. Adler thought that, and I kind of love this actually, Mm -hmm. that we all through our lives are coming from a place of feeling inferior and trying to prove ourselves to ourselves. And that's something that I say to clients all the time. Like you have to prove yourself to yourself. It doesn't matter Mm -hmm. like what other people say. you got to feel it. you got to feel like you did it. Um, Kind of like what we were just talking about. So Adler really pushed back on Freud and Freud was a bit of an egomaniac, surprisingly. Mm -hmm. Um, And so like they, they kind of broke up. And then Jung came along and same thing. Jung pushed back in a very different place, which was he said that not only is there an unconscious mind that drives us, but there is also a collective unconscious. And that Mm -hmm. is where we intersect with tarot because Jung believed that there is a thing called psyche, which is a, a not just an idea that is a real thing that we don't see on this realm, but that exists. And the collective unconscious is where things like archetypes come from. And where this imagery that we see in the tarot deck is, it's all coming from this collective place where we share universally the idea of the fool, or we universally share the idea of the emperor or the magician. Um, 
And the idea of the moon versus the sun versus the stars is a universal human experience. And that's really powerful. And that has been picked up in psychology and in sociology, the work of Joseph Campbell that came about in the 1960s and 1970s echoes this with the hero's journey, which now people are learning about in middle school when you look at the hero's journey. And when you watch Star Wars, like it's the same thing that Star Wars is all hero's journey stuff, which all is Joseph Campbell, which is all Carl Jung, which I think is fascinating how much it connects. Um, And this all links directly to tarot. This is oh, what sure. we see in tarot. And this is why it's interesting. So if you are to tie it all together, sorry, I started going off on like a whole thing there. But if you tie it all together, you could walk into a therapy office and you could do solution focus, which I love. I, mm-hmm. I pull from a lot. I do a lot of um, like, well, what are you going to do about it kind of work with people? It's really important because we live in the world. But what is also true is being able to pull from the unconscious or the collective unconscious and from psyche and to pull from the universal human experiences to see that we are connected and to see where we can grow. I love everything that you just said. (laughs) I said a lot for a second there. I like there's so much that I want to say on that. Uh, And I love that you tied it back to basically you created this timeline and then completely circled back to Tara and you're like, yeah, basically it can all go back to this. And it really can. I mean, you know, to expand a little bit more on what you were saying about Jung, you know, he created this concept of our shadow self, right? Mm. Which is essentially this, what you were saying, the unconscious, this, this darker side of us that we don't automatically have access to. Um, but that directly impacts our conscious waking life. Um, and that in order to change or have some sort of effect on our waking life, we need to tap into this, you know, side of our unconscious and figure out like what's going on there to, to understand it better. And that's actually really similar to Freud in some respects and, and essentially to tarot as well. And I know some people will, will totally argue that, you know, Freud would have totally scoffed at the idea of tarot, but I don't think so because, I mean, maybe from an an intellectual standpoint, Point he would have, but Freud's psycho, psychoanalytic theory was really developed around this whole premise of, of imagery. Mm. And if you think about, you know, his work with free association, which I use all the time with clients and dream analysis, both of those really like pivotal creations were meant to tap into the unconscious, which Freud then believed was a driving force behind conscious behavior, which then taps us back into you know, Jung, who talks about like the shadow self, which is this driving force and directly impacts, you know, our conscious waking life. So everything is very super connected and it, it's all very like imagery and archetype, uh, archetype based, which is everything that we're talking about with tarot and, you know, with us creating this podcast, hoping to demystify the tarot and remove some of like the stigma or taboo behind it, because it's really something that can be, um, really beneficial to growth within ourself and growth within our relationships. Um, and you don't need to like have a PhD in tarot in order to <laughs> use it. You can literally just sit down and look at some of these cards and free associate, which goes back to Freud with which free association is basically sitting down and either writing or saying 
anything that comes to your mind without judgment. It doesn't have to make sense. It doesn't even have to like relate to what you or what you think is relating to the image that is in front of you. But you could do it with a tarot card. You could you know, draw a card, shuffle the deck, draw a card, and then free associate. Think of everything or everything that comes into your mind based on that card and just say it. Um, and then something that I do with clients is I then circle everything that is, that relates or is similar, um, you know, and then try to derive meaning from that. Um, and same thing with dream analysis. I know in an earlier episode, you were talking a lot about Luna, how you've done a lot of dream work for, for yourself. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, Freud's dream analysis can also like link directly to imagery and archetypes, which is exactly what the tarot is all about. Okay. I, we're in like a love fest today of loving what each other is saying. (laughs) You just made me think so much about the concept of science versus faith. And I think this is really what this is all about. So Freud and and his acolytes in the beginning really were trying to define they were trying to come up with a scientific way of being able to talk about personality and human behavior and they were successful in some ways mm-hmm. but what is really interesting is that uh as humans we love explanations we really want to be able to as we're doing right now as you and i are doing right now like we're <laughs> wanting to explain this Rather than just kind of having a um, an acceptance or a let me let this deck guide me, like I really needed to sit down with it and read about it and be like, okay, what is this? Why is it a thing? I need the explanation, as we all do. Right. But science doesn't reach some places, and it doesn't mean that they're not true. It just means that it hasn't reached the place yet. So in the field of psychology... The field has gone in the direction of what can we prove more? Like one thing you might hear a lot is this phrase evidence-based. Yeah. And that mean all that means is that it's testable. So if you go to somebody who's using an evidence-based methodology, all that means is that that you were able to gather this this information. This person changed this behavior from point A to point B. And that is fundamentally different than the moment that you described earlier of the client looking up and saying, oh, my God, thank you, Mm -hmm. because that's all the only measure there is the thank you. But it doesn't mean that something powerful and intense didn't happen. It's just that it's not quite as measurable. And this is what my problem with our field today is, is that we've gotten really focused on the diagnosis, on the evidence, on the measurable on the coding, on the insurance. This is the problem with insurance. Um, And we don't rely as much or we don't give enough credit to the unconscious, the spiritual, the psyche, the hidden, but it's there. You know, and that makes me think about how I've had so many clients come in and, you know, after we've done some work together, you know, and they get to know me and I really get to know them. They'll look at me and say, what you do is an art. Yes. <laughs> and I'm like, oh my gosh, it really is. Sure. We pull from all these, you know, evidence-based practices, like you're saying, and we, we have a method that we have to follow. And, you know, we went, we had a lot of education and years of supervision and, and, you know, a foundation of knowledge that we go off of, but, but it's an art. 
It's such an art, you know, and it makes me think the word intuition keeps coming yes. into my mind because yes. I'm also thinking about, even though this is an art, um, there's also this, oh gosh, there's just so many intersections. I, I want to hop into the fact that this, that tarot too can also be viewed and mm. I mean, it has like secular spirituality in addition to an academic study, which oh my gosh, now that I'm saying it, mm-hmm. it sounds very much like therapy. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. The experience you have in the therapy room can feel like secular spirituality and an academic study. And it can be exactly what you need it to be in that moment. But essentially, yeah, it's this mixed framework that allows us to use and draw inspiration from, like we mentioned earlier, these evidence evidence-based practices, but also these like various art forms to help us get to where we, we need to be and shed light on new information, um, and, uh, under gain more insight about the world around us. Oh my God. Yes, 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 yes. What you're saying about practicing therapy is a hundred percent true. Um, and it is an art. If you're good, it is an art and you can tell who is and who isn't. Um, when I talk to creatives, they talk about the idea of it. it's not me. Like I got quiet and I just listened and then it came to me. And that's what it feels like for me when I'm working mm. with somebody. Now, sometimes when I'm working with somebody and there's something in front of them, I'm using technique. I'm like, okay, well, there's this, there's this, mm-hmm. there's this. But sometimes I just have a question and I don't know where the question came from. It's not sort of a technique question. I just know exactly what to say. Yeah. And that's intuition and that's art. And it's not me. It's just an ability to hear it. Uh, can we talk about how that relates to the high priestess? It is. And it's intuition? totally. And it is. It's tarot also, right? It's exactly yeah. what it's like to read tarot. I think it's important to me to know what the cards mean. But what's also important is to know what it means to you. Mm-hmm. You know, and also talking about intuition and, you know, sometimes not really realizing, you know, where like a question, for example, came from, you know, immediately makes me think of the high priestess. And something that's also worth noting is the fact that, you know, even though I'm saying, you know, tarot is, at least for me, this form of secular spirituality, Mm -hmm. there is a ton of religious symbol and religious uh, undertone in and just inherent in tarot. Um, and if you think about tarot, it also represents the Torah, which is, uh, you know, the, the Jewish, uh, book of law, uh, the, so the Torah, which translates to law is also the book that the high priestess is holding. Um, and, you know, in this case, we're talking about intuition and she's holding the Torah. So she could be holding the book of law, which for tarot is our intuition. So the book of law is intuition. Yes. And (laughs) yes. And, and. you know, and I think that then I want to go back to the history and say that golden dawn society that we were talking about, um, has deep roots. They were studying, um, Sufi which is mystical Islam. And they were studying the Kabbalah, which is mystical Judaism. And they were studying Gnosticism, which is mystical Christianity. And the images in the original decks are strongly linked to these things. So 
there's no denying, like sometimes I'll make a point of being like, do you see that that is a highly Christian image right there? And it's about the collective unconscious. It's about the idea that that is an ancient image that has meant a lot and has a meaning and is supposed to cue you into something either consciously or unconsciously. Mm. And there's so many traditions that are like that, but it is important to know that the golden dawn people knew this we're doing it intentionally and so if you know what they were trying to do it's another layer of the guide but also what does it mean to you what does it stir in your soul and that's the point of yeah. mysticism too like mysticism is something in all of these these religions that is sort of like it's like the tarot of religion or like <laughs> mysticism is the part that we can't put in the prayer book, the mm -hmm. part that is known in your heart, but not in your head. Mm. I want to go back to, that was beautiful, by the way. Oh, <laughs> and something that you said a minute ago about, you know, you're talking about the collective unconscious. I'm going to throw a quote out as I do lately. <laughs> um, you know, Young said something so beautiful that I feel like really sums up everything that we're talking about right now. And he said, the unconscious and the conscious exist in a profound state of interdependence of mm. each other. And the well-being of one is completely impossible without the well-being of the other. That's so lovely. How perfect is that? You know, and I, I, like, do you know that immediately we began this episode from a very different place? And I just think it's worth noting that at this point, <laughs> yeah. um, that we began this episode with the idea of talking about the two cards. So yeah. I spent a lot of time this week looking at the two, so we'll probably do it next week. But whatever, right now, I'm going to say that that quote is um, the two of pentacles right there. This is Ugh. what it is to be a human, for us mm -hmm. to constantly be between the place of being deeply grounded in the earth and deeply grounded in the bills and the kids and, you know, the job and the stupid commute or whatever, or the stupid work <laughs> from home, whatever it is, while also feeling a longing and a deep rooting into the spiritual or into the psyche or into the unconscious. And we balance both of those things constantly every day without even thinking about it. Yeah. You know, and it's funny that you mentioned, you know, Luna and I did totally just <laughs> at the last minute decide to change up what we were going to do today because we were like, you know, and it's funny that now we're talking about twos because you, you were just talking about two of pentacles. This like before this episode, we were very two of swords, which is oh, yes. all about facing a challenging <laughs> decision, struggling with like the two of swords literally represents struggling with which direction to go. And yeah. Luna and I are sitting here going, oh, but we want to talk about this and we want to talk about that. But this is like three episodes. <laughs> um, and it's funny that we ended up heading in the, this direction anyway. But um, yeah, the two of swords is all about like struggling with which direction to go and um, needing to balance logic and emotions, which is very like mm -hmm. it's everything we're talking about, tarot, religion, psychology, psychotherapy, you know, therapy in general is all about balancing logic and emotions. You know, yes. I think about the idea, uh, you know, there's this premise in DBT about like wise mind, 
emotional mind, rational mind. Mm. And the goal is to be, you know, to exist in that middle ground, the wise mind where you're, you're tapping into your emotional mind, tapping into your rational mind, but you're not living in one or the other, you know, wise is wise mind is the combination of, of both of them. Um, and I think that's what tarot really seeks to help us access as well, because, you know, in our world, like you said, you know, we're constantly like, do I do this? Do I do that? I have to go here. I have to go there. You know, it's very just like task oriented, very rational, very logical. Um, and we don't really spend much time tapping into like other areas of ourselves. We are so much more than just someone who completes tasks every day. And tarot can help us, uh, you know, through this imagery, um, kind of peel back those layers. Um, you know, and expose different parts of ourselves that maybe we weren't even aware of. You know, and it makes me wonder, I'm just going to bring up a topical issue too. Like we are sort of in this, still in this pandemic world. And one thing that I hear from people is a little bit of uh, being stuck at home has given some people, not everybody, but has given some people more access to that. Of mm -hmm. You know, we've removed the like three trips to a grocery store a week. And, <laughs> you know, like I, there was times um, in my previous life before all this happened where I would sometimes drive three hours a day, just driving mm -hmm. my kids around and going from place to place to place. I mean, it was just three hours of like school and music lessons. I've got three hours back. And in those three yeah. hours, there's room for me to get quiet and to tap into these other places. And frankly, it's beneficial. Yeah, it's interesting because... I think that, yeah, this that's definitely a benefit of this time we have, uh, or a benefit of COVID times, I guess. Right, right. We have spare time to devote to aspects of ourselves in our life that we didn't have before. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, what's funny is I think it still scares people. Um, mm. You know, I definitely think that, you know, peeling back the layers like we're talking about and, and accessing different parts of ourselves and, and having this time of contemplation and reflection is still like, yeah, just scary because people are worried, well, what am I going to find? What, what do I, what do I need to know about myself? Uh, how is this going to help me? Um, and I hear that about therapy a lot too. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. what's, you know, what's the point? Um, how are you going to be able to help me? Like, how is this beneficial to my life and my relationships? And it's funny because I'm sure you experience this as a therapist too, but, um, anytime I meet someone new or like pre COVID, if I was at a party or something, yeah. um, and someone finds out I'm a therapist, uh, you know, there's this immediate like tightening <laughs> and yes, tensing up that happens and they kind of like side eye me mm -hmm. and without fail every single time it's so are you analyzing me right now? Right. And it's the same when people hear that I use tarot, there's that tightening and that tensing. And then are you conjuring spirits? It's like, no, but it, it's so <laughs> funny because people are scared yes. of, of tarot in the same way that they're scared of therapy in the same way that they're also scared of like, you know, diving deeper into their unconscious and understanding like themselves and, and their partners or their friends and their family. It's so true because like the reality is, is that I could never understand somebody and tell them something about themselves that they didn't already know. And that's right. also true for tarot. Like you already have all your answers, mm -hmm. but you can use a therapist where you can use tarot to help you better understand it. Right. Exactly. And, you know, I think that the point is a good one that people are, are nervous, are scared. 
one habit I developed um, is that at the end of a first session, I'll pause like a couple minutes before the end and I'll sort of say, how has this conversation been for you? Yes. Um, which I don't do at the end of every session. I just do it at the end of the first. But I'm amazed how often people are like, I feel so relieved. Like mm-hmm. they're nervous. Like they're going to come in and yeah. I'm going to like do something to them. Or yes. <laughs> like, I'm just asking you, like, you're just going to talk about you. And I'm just going to ask questions about you. And people like that. Oh, you saying, you know, people are worried I'm going to like do something. It's, <laughs> it makes me laugh because it goes back to, I've had, <laughs> I've had a client. In fact, I wrote a poem about it because I thought it was so poetic. What, uh, this line that this client said, um, he looked at me once and he goes, what is this black magic that you perform? <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, that is such a fantastic compliment, but it is not, not magic. <laughs> um, yeah, people don't, it's so funny people don't realize that literally sometimes I just say back to them exactly what they said, but right. you don't know what came out of your mouth. And so when right. I just repeat it, it's like, whoa, what's that? It's your yeah. words. Right. It's your words. Yeah. And how powerful that can be because we act as this, this mirror, this, yes. this image, uh, you know, the, this reflection back to them. And, you know, tarot can be very similar. You could pull, you know, you could pull a card <laughs> and be like, Oh, damn. Right. I said this thing to this person the other day and this card is like all about that. And that was shitty. And Mm -hmm. I should probably like take a look at how I'm, I'm speaking to people now. You know, it's the same as if you were in the therapy room and you know, this person were to say, Oh yeah, this person pissed me off. And I said this, this, and this, and the therapist, you know, looks back at them and said, Oh, so you, you said X, Y, and Z. And then the client is like, Oof, that sounds terrible. It's like, yeah. It does. Yeah, kind of <laughs> What does. are you going to do about it? <laughs> right. Well, and I think that goes back to the earlier point, too, of different decks give you different things, just the same mm-hmm. way, like, um, like Freud didn't, wouldn't look at the people, like, would sit behind the, the classic image of the person, like, yes. lying on the sofa, and the analyst was sitting behind, so that literally the, um, the therapy client, I there was a different word for it at that point, couldn't see the facial reactions of the therapist versus <laughs> um, in the 1960s, the Rogerian type of therapy, which was human focus, which was all right. about like being face to face and yes. like looking and communicating. It all has to do with um, what, what kind of deck, what kind of therapist do you want? Do you want like somebody who's hardcore gestalt Mm-hmm. I mean, and I will say like most Gestalt therapists are really lovely and like not mean, but original, right. like Fitzpearl, the originator of Gestalt yeah, therapy was Fitzpearl. like, he was like mean. <laughs> yeah. He would just be like, well, you're acting like a child, which <laughs> like he would just so blunt. And, yeah. you know, for some people, it's really effective. It just depends on picking the right therapist and picking the right deck. Thank you so much for listening to The Tarot Diagnosis. You can follow us on Instagram and TikTok under the handle at The Tarot Diagnosis and join us while we pull daily cards and explore tarot and mental health in between podcast episodes. You can also subscribe to our podcast to make sure that you never miss an episode. If you have a topic or question that you'd like for us to explore on the podcast, you can contact us directly on our website, www.thetarotdiagnosis.com.